my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ our Lord. Here we find ourselves after the Sunday, uh, the Thursday of the Feast of the Ascension, and the Sunday before that great and glorious Feast of Pentecost that we hear St. Paul so anxious to get to Jerusalem for. It's an interesting Sunday. It's dedicated to the Council of Nicaea in 325 and trying to come to understand who this person, Jesus, is. Our Lord in Scripture, it's recorded, had healed a demonic And the Pharisee says that he's acting on the behalf of a demon. And Jesus says, if I'm a demon, casting out a demon, a house divided against itself cannot stand. I'm sure we all know of this with perhaps in our own homes. God forbid, but I'm sure it's happened. We certainly see it within our government, a house divided. It's not working very well. and We see it even within the church. Opinion after opinion after opinion. Everyone's got an opinion, and we're starting to fracture and splinter and get further and further from the center of truth. A house divided cannot stand. When Constantine the Great became emperor and chose Christianity uh, to be the predominant faith or the faith for the state, and he saw this fracturing began to happen. I'm sure the patriarch was in his ear. And he knew a house divided against itself cannot stand. He knew that just from his own imperial court. And so he convened all the bishops, drugged them out from wherever they were, had them come out, paid them to come and clarify this issue of who this person Jesus is. Because the faith that was given to the apostles and recorded in Scripture had within just a couple hundred years of time 300 years of time, started to splinter. And the house began to be divided by, on itself. And the teaching arose that Jesus, while He was not fully God, He was not really a man, He was somewhere in between. And well, if this were the case, if He were not fully God, and at the same time, fully man, you and I would not be saved. And so the fathers came together, and how did they determine this? They went back to the source. They went back to the scriptures that described Jesus as who he was, what he said, what he did, to discover the truth. We know who Jesus is based on what the apostles have handed on to us. About a week and a half ago, in liturgy, we were reading from John's Gospel, chapter 8. 
And Jesus is in a great debate with the Pharisees. In fact, it's a blistering debate. And so much so that at the end, the Pharisees were set on murder. Jesus was telling them, I am from the Father. And they say, well, Abraham's our father. And Jesus says, well, if Abraham was your father, you would rejoice and you would know who I am. But you are not like Abraham, for you want to kill me. And at the end, Jesus says, amen, amen, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Ha'un. Directly referring to the burning bush, where God told Moses, I am. Not once in this dialogue, but three times did Jesus say that to them. He who has seen me has seen the Father. I and the Father are one. I encourage you after this liturgy to read chapter 8, verses 12 to the end. And at the end, they were ready to stone him, but his hour had not yet come. And then we hear in our gospel today, Jesus, again, making a point in his high priestly prayer to his apostles this time, that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and I am in him. And he's praying for you and I that we would be in him, and through him, and through, into the Father, And we would be made one. We would be a house united. Jesus was praying not just for the apostles, that they wouldn't splinter in their understanding of who he was, but for the subsequent generations that would follow down to our day today. That our joy by being united, that by being one, would find its completeness in Christ. In our epistle today, towards the end, we hear of St. Paul talking about his hands. My hands have done the work. I've worked for my food. I've labored for it. I've helped others with these hands. We find from this counsel getting a greater clarity of who Jesus is as the apostles put forth in their gospels that Jesus is true God and true man and they codify that in that great monument of faith, the creed the Nicene Creed, the first half of the creed they went to great pains to ensure we understood that we believed and professed that Jesus was God from God, of the same essence of God, and at the same time, born of the Virgin Mary. In other words, he became flesh, true man. And so what we know about Jesus What we know about God is revealed through the flesh of Jesus. His divinity is revealed through His humanity. 
His divinity was revealed through the words He spoke. His divinity was revealed through the healings that took place. With the spittle from His mouth making mud and healing the blind man. Through the touch of healing paralytics and lepers. By raising the dead, by the power of His voice, it was through His humanity that His divinity was revealed. He who has seen Me has seen the Father. All revelation of God comes through Jesus Christ. The Old Testament finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Our future inheritance in the heavenly kingdom is through the face of Jesus Christ. There will be no other way. When Jesus rose from the dead, He still had a real body, real flesh, and real blood. Therefore, it was important for us to understand based on the counsel that our flesh is important. It's not evil. It's not something to be done away with. Controlled, yes. But it's not evil. In Genesis, we hear in the first chapter of Genesis that beautiful description of creation. And it's like a priestly prayer. God makes the sun and the moon and the stars and all this, and then He says, it is good. And then He makes this and that and the other, and it is good, and on and on and on. And the refrain is, it is good, it is good, it is good. And all creation is content with being itself, not trying to be something else. A tree doesn't want to be an elephant. A mouse doesn't want to be a bush. It gives glory to God by being what it is. But the apex of all creation was he recreated Adam out of the clay of the earth and breathed into him life. And then the refrain goes even greater, and it was very good. And it is this very good that the Word of God enfleshed himself in and told us all about the Father. And our access to the Father will always be through Him. Now you and I are called to deification. God became man that man might become God, says the fathers. Not by nature, but by grace. Which means, through our nature, through our human body, we are to become divinized while remaining human. We don't shed the body, wait for death to come because it is evil. We grow in our deification by the use of our hands. You look at your hands. How many times have you touched a loved one with those hands? How many times have you given comfort to somebody with those hands? How many times have you assisted somebody with those hands? How many hearts have you filled with joy, with your words of love, with your words of kindness, with your words of mercy? Because you are the body of Christ, you are exhibiting that deification whenever you do things in action of Jesus, in harmony with Him, in synergy with Him.
When you do that, your body, your mind, your soul is participating in the divine. And so Christ's divinity is being seen through our humanity as He acts upon us and within us. Showing loving kindness and mercy, compassion, to the point of loving those who want to harm us. Loving those who do evil to us. Loving for the sake of loving because God is love. We've seen what that love looks like in the person of Jesus. Who while never leaving the side of the Father is with us as the body of Christ. A house divided cannot stand. You and I are going through difficult times. How many times we've heard this from how many different people. But we seem to keep fracturing more and more and more. Getting ourselves more and more worked up into a lather about so many things. That we're losing track of the central point. That Jesus Christ, true God and true man, suffered, died, rose, and ascended to give us new life, new hope in Him. When He was crucified, He could have called upon legions of angels to destroy the Roman Empire in the, this, the, the government right there. He didn't. When He rose from the dead, you would think, oh, that's the point. We're going to start this earthly kingdom. We will do away with all these tyrannies of these different governments and put an end to them. He didn't. You'd think, okay, with, with, even with the church, when Saul was starting to persecute the church, you'd think he'd come away and do a, away with all the Pharisees who were instigating this persecution. Now's the time he's going to act. He didn't. He came for the salvation of our souls, your soul and my soul. He did not come to establish an earthly kingdom. Our life is a life in preparation for the kingdom to come. It is here now that we learn how to love our enemies. Can you think of a better opportunity than right now? It is here that we're called to show mercy even to those who are unkind to us. Is there a better opportunity than now to make this body start to form into the image of Christ so that we ourselves become an incarnation of Christ Himself? This is the time that we are to be formed into true men and women Images of Christ. He came, became incarnate for us. He will always remain incarnate. And when we rise from the dead, we will have glorified bodies, but it will be still flesh and blood, our bodies. Transfigured, yes, but still our bodies. 
So as we see this splintering taking place throughout our society, throughout our world as it continues, we have to do what the church has always done. When she needs to discover and what's the truth in all of this, she always goes back to her source. She always goes back to come to understand who Jesus is based on the gospels that the apostles have given us, presented to us. Then we find the truth. And we find strength. And we find our rock in which we stand upon. In 325, the church was splintered over who Jesus was. But when they came up and discovered through the researching and prayer over Scripture, who Jesus was, reaffirmed it, corrected it on those who were thinking wrongly, the truth rang out like a harmonious chord. And those fathers gave us that monument of faith, that fence in which we were to live our lives, that we could come to explore, explore who Jesus was as long as we remained within the fabric and the framework of that Nicene Creed, and later the Constantinople Creed about the Holy Spirit. This is an important Sunday. Who was this Jesus who walked the earth? Who was this Jesus that we witnessed his death, his resurrection, and just recently his ascension? It is the very word of God in the flesh. Fully human and fully divine. And you and I have been baptized into that. And we are called with our hands to be Christ with our hands, to wring out the truth. Not to rage war, but peace. Expressing the truth through our words and our actions. St. Paul is right in talking about his hands, because his hands were made holy, because they were doing the work of the Lord who had hands himself. And all actions that Paul did, Christ's hands were right there with his. And the same is with you and I. We are called to deification through our own bodies. We are to make our own bodies the temple of the Holy Spirit, holy in the eyes of God. And in that we attain salvation. A house divided cannot stand. Let us invigorate ourselves by going back to the holy mysteries of the text of the Gospels, of the writings of the fathers and the teachings of the saints. Rediscover who we really are and what we're called to be, and then live our life in a manner that reflects the words that we believe and profess when we say, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. Glory to Jesus Christ.